Community sounds like. Stay open. I am flesh and I am bone. Rise up, ting ting, like glitter and gold. I got fire in my soul. Rise up, ting ting, like glitter. Hello, craft beer friends, and welcome to another episode of Tap the Craft Podcast. I am Denny Luce. I'm coming to you from Boise, Idaho, and my partner in craft, head brewer, and owner of Trek Brewing in Columbus, Ohio, is John Ream. And John, how are you doing tonight? And more importantly, what is in your glass? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Coming to you live from Trek Brewing, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. I have to finish cleaning out a tank so I can brew tomorrow so there you go got got the cip running uh, there right <laughs> now so um yeah i am uh i'm doing well and I'm, I'm drinking a beer from land grant over in columbus uh and it is their binary star black ipa okay so uh it's a an ipa they do with the um cryo hops like the hop powder with the cascade and simcoe mm-hmm. so it tastes pretty nice, and I think you would enjoy it. It's got a little kick of roast in there for you. Oh, I'm sure yeah. I would enjoy it. It sounds fantastic, and yeah, yeah, that's nice. So, so basically, you're telling me you had to podcast from Trek because you were out of beer at home. No, I brought this beer from home. Oh, actually. Um, <laughs> I wasn't planning on podcasting from Trek, but today it got away from me, and I didn't get everything done. Uh, and our my brew schedule has already slipped a day, and I don't want it to slip another day. So, okay, um, getting this tank cleaned, and I've been I had been looking forward to this beer. It's the first time I've had it. Um, so I, I was like, I'm gonna drink this on the show. It's gonna be great. And so I was like, <laughs> man, I really should just pop something off the tap, but uh, I really want this beer, so I brought it with me from home. Okay, so. well, good, good. <laughs> well, you can always go hit the tap uh, a little bit later when you run out. Yeah, yeah. The downside is I actually have to drive home this time, so you know, can't go too crazy. <laughs> oh, what are you, what are you so, saying? You don't have a cot already uh, set up at Trek for when you just stay overnight? And... Uh, I, I don't have uh, the approval of those at home <laughs> <laughs> for an activity like that. I would be uh, in hot water, is what I'm saying. Okay, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> good, good thinking. How are you doing? What are you drinking? I'm doing all right. I am drinking a fantastic beer. It's one of my go-to beers that I grab a six-pack. Uh, I've mentioned on the show many times that I like to have beers around that I just like to drink when I want to drink a few beers and not have to worry about what I'm drinking. And I'm drinking Iron Horse Brewings, Quilter's Iris Death, which is one of my favorite beers. Uh, I visit this well, I used to visit this brewery on the way to seeing you on our Seattle trips uh, and get this stuff fresh on draft, which is also very nice. And uh, I don't know. I, I just love this beer, and I think I love it because it doesn't really fall into a single like beer style. It's, it's like a mixture of a bunch of things. In fact, they don't even list it as a style of what beer. They say it's a dark, smooth ale, and I kind of like that, you know, that they don't really – put it into a into its own little style closet they just let it be what it is yeah this this was actually one of the first beers that i kind of grabbed onto when we went to seattle uh just because the little place near our apartment always had it available oh yeah so i was like you know well i, I know that's always good <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well i can get this for 
usually about $8.99 a six-pack of cans. Uh, it used to come in 22-ounce bottles all the time, and now they got it in those 12-ounce cans. And I'll just pick up a six-pack as I'm picking up other stuff and just drink a few, you know, during the week when I'm just want to enjoy something. I had this in my fridge, and I thought, you know what, I've already been drinking some pretty, you know, heavy stuff earlier in the day, and I just wanted something. Now, I say heavier stuff. Uh, this is still coming in like at, at like seven and a half percent, so it's not it's not a light beer by any means, but it's so smooth and so wonderful that I just uh, I, I felt like drinking it tonight, so we can just kind of like ease our way into the show, and I can just feel good. Yeah, and I don't remember it being that high of alcohol. No mm. wonder I love that beer mm-hmm. so much. <laughs> you would never know by drinking it. It doesn't have any booziness to it whatsoever, and it's it, it's this light. Uh, dark, smooth, and, you know, malty, and good. It's just good. That's all I got to say. And I, I have to shout out our buddy Matt Laney, uh, Josh Laney's brother. You know, they're just outside of Ellensburg, actually, in uh, Quincy, Washington. And I visit them when I come through, too. And uh, he's the one that turned me on to this. He says, hey, this is my favorite beer, Denny. Uh, you've got you, you've to get this. And sure enough, when I had a chance to get it, I just fell in love with it. And now I'm lucky enough to have it delivered to my local area and I can drink it all the time. So a big shout out to Matt for pointing this beer out to me for sure. All right. Well, Hey, let's get on with the show, John. And in case there's any new listeners out there that don't know what tap the crap podcast is all about, we are an educational podcast focused around celebrating all things craft beer because John and I, we want to help you along in your craft beer journey. We want you to learn from us Learn from our experiences, learn from our topics, and just get, you know be able to go out there and try some different beers and appreciate them for what they are. And you're listening to episode 97, recording on Sunday, April 8th, 2018. And this show, we are going to discuss a new beer fad. Now, I'm saying new because it's just becoming new, uh, like a, a big thing. I think they've been doing this for a while in certain areas. But I haven't heard about it until recently, and this is the whole thing about glitter beer. Yes, putting in some glitter to make your beer kind of bedazzled, you know, get that little coloring in there, get that little uh, swirly action and, and kind of catch your eye and make you enchanted with the beer. Uh, we also have a couple news articles we want to discuss. And, of course, you can count on John and I having some great beer conversation along the way. Let's get on with the show, John. And okay. uh, let's start with an update of Trek Brewing. And we want to know, I mean, you already talked a little bit about Trek. You know, you're still brewing. But uh, what's the status of that 15-barrel system? I don't know what 15-barrel system you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, I'll start off with uh, our first festival. Hmm. I think I mentioned it that uh, it was going to happen on the last show. Um but uh, yeah, we attended our first festival and had our beer pouring, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, it was uh, all uh, Licking County Brewers um, for the Tasty Buns and Craft Beer Week that we did the collaboration beer for that I had mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, you know, it was pretty cool standing there, watching people drink your beer out in the park. um not that we could actually pour the beer we had to have volunteers pour the beer so um that that's kind of 
kind of sucks, but we can still stand there and talk to people. Okay. So. Okay. That's not so bad. I was thinking that you weren't able to even be in the area, and that would really be kind of sad that you had to totally leave your booth unattended. Well, uh, you actually have to have a specific like license to stand next to your jockey box and <laughs> talk about it. Um, you have to pay the state of Ohio $50 for that right. What? Um, oh, my yeah. gosh. But it's the same license you have to have to be able to sell beer and everything else. So it's uh, it's an extra layer, an extra way to get a nickel. But, um, yeah, otherwise we'd have to just bring our beer and then leave. So. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so is that $50 each festival or just a one-time fee? No, it's a, for a two-year license. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, if it was every festival – that law would have changed a long time ago. Once, <laughs> like, craft started booming and people started doing events because, you know, it just wouldn't, wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, that, that was really cool. And, uh, shout out to Katie and our buddy Russ for, for volunteering to pour for us. So, nice. Nice. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mentioned last week we're getting our event room ready. So we've, we've got events booked. And now we're just putting the finishing touches on everything. Uh, painting is done. We got to work for updating all the audiovisual stuff in there, lined up, ready to go. So uh, it's all coming together, which is good. Okay. Uh, and then do we open up on a Friday this week? Woo-hoo. So now we're we doubled our hours. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm brewing beer as fast as we can. To, have enough to stay open and I'm hoping that we'll be able to extend these hours and maybe, maybe even add another day while we wait for uh, this elusive 15 barrel system. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, the 15 barrel, that's the big thing. That's what everything is hinging on. Um, yeah, it was supposed to be delivered, right? Uh, I was hopeful it would be delivered. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it had to be, has to be decommissioned over at the other place. And I mean, they finished brewing on it. And as far as they were concerned, decommissioned, but then, you know, we have to get all the mechanicals unhooked and everything before it can be loaded on the truck. And the folks that we had tried to line up for that, um, who have been doing work over there during their expansion, so they're familiar with the facility and everything, uh, they had other work that took longer than they anticipated. Um, so they got held up. So Monday, April 9th, it is supposed to officially start being decommissioned okay, and, and taken apart and brought over. So, um, yeah, it will be soon. I would say the month of April, it should arrive. We'll <laughs> <laughs> start putting it together since I said the month of March last time. But, okay. you know, a month in 2018, it's going to show up. I'm confident in that. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that because once we get that thing in here and cranking, we'll be able to, you know, be open and then start having some more fun with the uh, with the pilot system rather than just trying to keep taps on. Oh, on, yeah, so. for sure. I, I but, mean, that, that's the exciting thing is once you get your regular beers brewing on the big system, then you can just play and, and experiment and do all kinds of wild things with that smaller pilot system. Yeah. Yeah, and we uh, we did add our, a fifth beer on Saturday, so the Red Ale official went on tap, um, and that was actually debuted at the festival. 
Um, and a lot of people liked it. We actually had a guy come in on Saturday because of the festival looking for the red ale. Mm. Um, so that was pretty cool, but the, the red ale has been received very well. Um, which is awesome. Nice. So, yeah. Is it a hoppy yeah. red or is it a, a more mild red? No, it's more traditional, um, like multi Irish red. Okay. Oh so. yeah. Yeah. I like that. Nice. Yeah. It's, uh, modeled after the red trolley. That was my inspiration. Oh, that's right. That's year, right. So. I forgot about that. Um, but yeah, so I'm enjoying that one. And, uh, so now for right, right now we actually have more Trek beer than guest beer for the, for the current moment. So that's pretty sweet. Good. That's good. Yeah. You should, you should always have more Trek beer than guest beer. <laughs> yeah. And, and today I kegged our, uh, our brown ale. Oh, uh, so our hoppy brown that, uh, started as the base of a, of a Janus Brown, but has since morphed a bit. So it's, uh, you know, that's another, like that was the inspiration. Now it's kind of taken on a little bit of life of its own. So, okay, good. Um, and I think that one's going to end up probably replacing the pale ale for a little bit because, uh, we're going to run out of pale ale, I think, <laughs> 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 unless I can get it kegged fast enough. So okay. we'll see. Okay. But, so, so with this hoppy Brown, um, can you, can you let the listeners and myself in on, uh, like what, what hot are you, are you going to profile a certain hop for, for hoppy flavor or how, what, what's special about this hoppy Brown? Uh, so this one features Cascade and Amarillo. Okay. Um, and, uh, really, um, what I'm going for with this is more of a very smooth, um, you know, because brown is very easy to drink, you mm -hmm. know, but very approachable. And I'm trying to kind of hold on to that while injecting the hops. Okay. So it doesn't have a very strong bitterness, doesn't have like any kind of aggressive bitterness yeah. to it. Um, but it just kind of layers on the hops on top of it. Okay. Uh, so that's my my intent and goal. So All right. So are um, so okay. Now I gotta ask the detailed technical questions are you doing that in a dry hopping type manner or are you gonna do like a hop infusion or whatever that what is a hop hop bullets or whatever those things are called like a hop back or yeah are you yeah thinking of the randall at the, the tap well not the randall but the ones where you can actually like yeah i think the hop back i think is what it is where they you kind of put hops and you pass it through and yeah no um, i'm not using that um I, I did uh, a lot of late addition and, and some dry hopping. Okay. So. Okay. Well, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Well, thank you for enlightening us on your special secret hoppy brown ale. And it's going to be called what? Brown ale or hoppy brown ale? Uh, it's going to be called beer on tap. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just have beer number three, the mystery yeah. beer. <laughs> well, you know. There are, there's a place in Seattle uh, that uh, we've talked about before, Cloudburst. Yes. Um, that has just a secret beer tap. Oh. And they have a uh, phone. And you just say, I'll have uh, what's on the phone. And you get <laughs> on the phone. Now, the one time that I was there to try to do this, they didn't have a beer on the phone oh. and they were out of whatever they were pouring that day. And so I was pissed. But, oh. uh, so I've been talking with Rob about how we would set up, you know, some kind of secret tap that we could do. Okay. Um, 
that's just like kind of an in the know thing. You got to know about it to ask for it. And, you know, but so who knows? There may be something. Okay. In the future. I like that. I like that. It's nice. All right. Is that all the updates? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hey, those are good updates. Good updates. All right. Well, let's move in or on to uh, some some beer events. Now, you already talked about your beer festival uh, with Trek. So is there anything else that you uh, part- partook in over the last couple of weeks that you want to talk, talk about? No, just brewing and scheduling. Okay. Yeah, I've been like mapping out the month of April, trying to maximize the number of brew days that I'll have. So that's why I'm trying to trying to get back on track Okay. see if I can pick my day back up yeah, um, yeah. somewhere. So, so I think I'd be able to get like eight or nine brews in this month should be good. Nice. So nice. Cause you got, you, you have five fermenters now for the pilot system. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, they're all full. Well, actually one's not full right now. Yeah. One is going to be filled up tomorrow. I just, uh, just moved some IPA to the bright tank and I'm going to fill that tank with more IPA tomorrow. Nice. So, Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, hey, I did have a couple of things I want to talk about with some beer-related events. The first one, uh, this week on uh, Tuesday, I uh, got to meet with a listener. Uh, came into town, Mr. Nathan Thomas. He uh, he does his own podcast. He has That's Entertaining Podcast. He also does some podcasts with the Play Some Video Games Network. And uh, he, he was coming into Boise for some business. And he said, hey, I'm coming in. Let's drink. And we did drink indeed on Tuesday night. I took him to White Dog Brewing and Clairvoyant Brewing, two of my f- the new newest breweries in the Boise area that I just have fallen in love with both those breweries. And we had some fantastic beers, and uh, we had a good time, good you know, good chatting and and just uh, you know talking about beer, talking about life. Uh, he he's a, a new father, uh, four month old uh, son, so it's uh, it's just nice that. Uh, you know, that, that he's able to break away from uh, being a dad for a couple days and come hang out with me and drink and have fun. And we did have some good beers, both at Clairvoyant and White Dog. In fact, I'm going to talk about in my new and noteworthy, I'll talk about one beer from White Dog that we both really enjoyed. Um, but I will talk quickly about some other beers that I won't talk about. Uh, they had a really good five-hop IPA. That just was very drinkable, very clean, but yet had some fantastic flavors in the IPA that was really enjoyable. Uh, I really enjoyed that one. They also had um, a hazy New England IPA that was also very well done. It had that really, uh, mi- you know, milky-ish looking, like or not milky, murky, murky hazy look, like like you're drinking an Orange Julius. Uh, great smooth mouth feel. Uh, what I liked about this New England style IPA is that it had all that tropical juiciness to it, but it also had a little bit of bitterness to the finish. And I know that's not the style for that New England IPA style, but I appreciate a little bitterness in that finish every so often. So I really enjoyed that one too. Those were the two beers I, I really enjoyed there. And then going to Clairvoyant, um, they have a, I already talked about the wonderful Kolsch they had. I had a pint of that. But they also had a new beer since the, I'd been there, and it was a Belgian double. And Belgian doubles are one of those beers in that I either – it's like polarizing for me. I either really like the double or I really dislike the double because it can come across, you know, really good or just kind of 
not very good in, in my experience with a number of doubles that I've had. And this one was really good. Uh, I mean, great flavor, not, it did, you know, didn't come across too, uh, boozy. Sometimes some of the alcohol can come out in the, in the way that they do the style. I, I'm not sure why, but it just, you know, sometimes I just don't, it's too sweet for me sometimes. Uh, this one was just right, really good. Now, they also had a variant of it that added cherries to it. Now, this one, I will say, stay away from. Uh, the cherries did not go well with this beer. In fact, it made the beer really not very good. And uh, I, I would say just stick with the regular double. Don't do the cherry. The cherry, um, yeah, just made it really poor. That's for all of my local listeners here in the Boise area. How about you, John? Have you experienced uh, some issues with uh, Belgian doubles? Um, no, I don't think so. No? You like them all? Usually, but it's also not usually a go-to for me. So I don't, uh, I guess I don't get a whole lot anymore. Okay. I'm not even sure the last time I had a double. No, it's, so. it, yeah, it's hard. To, it's really, I mean, really, there's not a lot of American breweries, I think, that go to the Belgian double. They either go big or they, I mean, usually it's, they're going for the, the quads. They're going for the, the dark strong ales. They're going for the triples. I think the poor double gets left out a lot, and which is okay with me because it's, it's probably my least favorite of the Belgian styles is the double. Um, but again, when a double is done really well and you have that really good multi character and that doesn't come across too sweet, uh, then it's really, it's really good. Um, but I think the, I like the triples, the dark strong, even the golden strongs are really good and the quads. Those are definitely my favorite of the Belgian ales for sure. But I think. I get most of my doubles from well, be, well, New Belgium. They do a double that I I try every year, um, and then of course the breweries from Belgium. I'll go ahead and grab uh, you know beers that come over here that I can find, and I'll try them. And then and some are okay. And I mean I think the the Trappist ones are probably the best option because they are really usually really clean and really you know really good. All right, that's enough enough of that. I also, this is this month, April, is Idaho Craft Beer Month. And they kicked it off on Wednesday night. I think it was Wednesday night. No, Thursday night. They kicked off Thursday night with the uh, Idaho Pint or Idaho Craft Beer Month Pints Up or Pints something or another, where you get the free pint glass when you order a beer from a participating local brewery. And so I went to Mad Swede and... Uh, I had already had all the beers that they had. Actually, no, I take it back. I didn't have their double IPA, but because they only served that in a 10-ounce glass, and this was a nice 16-ounce snifter glass, uh, I mean, very nice glass. I've been, If you look at my untapped, you'll see I've been drinking out of this glass pretty much nonstop since I got it. I really like it. Uh, but they, it's a 16-ounce uh, globe, and they wouldn't put in a 10-ounce pour in that glass for me, so I had to order something I already had. Which is fine. It was her coffee stout, which is really good, called the Night Night Shift, I think it's called. Um, so I had a pint of that, drank it, got my free pint glass with it, really happy. Uh, next day I came back, got the double, the Skull Banger, double IPA. Uh, wow, this double IPA too was old school double IPA. Uh, comes across a little bit strong, uh, big hop, resiny uh, character, thick, heavy. I mean, kind of stuff we got back in the day when they, you know, would make a big, heavy double IPA. 
good flavor though. I really I enjoyed it. It was a really good double IPA. Um, so yeah, so it's Idaho Craft Beer Month. I'm looking forward to more events that are going to happen throughout the month, and uh, I hope that all my friends here locally were able to go and get their special glass. So I have two glasses. Well, I had three glasses. I had two of the Willie Becker glasses they had last year until my wife broke one of them. So now she's not allowed to touch the other one. I don't want to lose that glass. And now I only because my wife was has been was ill last week. She didn't go with me to uh, get the the beer. So we only got one of the snifter glasses. So she's not allowed to touch that one because I want to make sure I keep a whole set of these glasses when they all come out over the next few years. What what about uh, you? You were just celebrating Columbus Beer Week. Is that what that? Um, no, no, no. Columbus uh, Beer Week's in May. Oh, it's in May. Um, okay. Yeah, the event we were doing was uh, for a Looking County focused event um, that started with a restaurant focus, but they're trying to step up the beer presence. Uh, okay. So this, yeah, it's Tasty Buns and Craft Beer Week, um, and so it's yeah, it was a week in Licking County where restaurants would feature a new sandwich, um, put on, on the menu for six bucks and, uh, breweries would try to partner with folks to do events and that kind of thing. So, okay. Okay. Well, I look forward to hearing what you're going to do for Columbus beer week or month in May. So uh, think about some good stuff you're going to do and you can share it with us. Hopefully continue to be open (laughs) (laughs) of course all right (laughs) all right now it's time for our new and noteworthy beers so john what have you had in the last couple weeks that you want to share with us ah i've had a ton i'm gonna talk about one okay really it's the only (laughs) only one um yeah this uh long hours in the brewery and driving to and from not not a lot of beer drinking going on unfortunately Hmm. so We'll ride the ship. We will. We'll get there. Um, but yeah, this, today I will talk about uh, beer from Rheingeist. Oh, nice. Uh, which is Hustle. And this is a beer they put out uh, every year for the spring um, for the baseball season, essentially. Um, and it's a uh, name Hustle uh, comes from Pete Rose. His nickname is Charlie Hustle. Mm. Um Whenever he, you know, was walked, he would sprint to first base. And, you know, th- so he was known for always playing hard and never, you know, kind of taking a play off. But um, so they, from my understanding, they changed this beer every year. Um, so I think last year it was a red lager. Oh. And this year it was a red IPA. Oh. And uh, I enjoyed this beer. I, I drank it for opening day of the Reds. Uh, which I enjoyed here at the brewery with Charlie. So Charlie uh-huh. and I had a nice little little time together doing watching the Reds game and uh, just hanging out, just two of us. So uh, yeah, but uh, I enjoyed the beer. Nice, uh, nice IPA. So. Okay, good, good. I like how they keep it with the red theme, right? The red lager, red IPA. What do you think it'll be next year? Will be red stout? Yeah. Yeah, red, red, red double. They're gonna red double. Go okay. Get into the doubles. Yeah. yeah it could be red double. It could be red double. <laughs> nice, nice. So uh, yeah, that's it for me. So how about you? That I'm gonna guess you have more than one. I I have more than one. I limited it to three. I had a lot of good beer this last couple of weeks, and part of the reason why I had a lot of good beer is 
you know, one of our listeners provided me with another uh, shipment from the Florida area. But in reality, uh, even though he's in Florida, uh, he went to North Carolina and sent me beer from North Carolina, which is even, you know, another treat. Uh, let me just start off with, uh, with what he sent me. Now, uh, Kevin Page, uh, he sent me a, a, a package, uh, you know, a, a couple months ago. And there was one beer I hadn't yet finished out of that package. So I drank that one first before I started drinking the other ones. And that is the Seventh Sun. Again, not Seventh Sun, but Seventh Sun, right? Because you don't want to mis- misunderstand that it's not coming from Ohio. It's coming from... Well, they're, they're both Seventh Sun. They just spell it differently. Oh, okay. Well, this was with seven th- seven Vinth and Sun yeah. S-U-N. <laughs> yeah. But this is their Obscura, or Sakura Obscura, uh, I can't even say this, Sakura. Yeah, I can't even say the brewery or the beer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have refilled my glass just a few minutes ago. Maybe that was a mistake. But, hey, it is what it is, and we're going to continue on. <clears throat> yeah, we're, we're going to sit here till you get it right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Sakura Obscura Cherry Pomegranate Berliner Weiss. And I had another, I, I mentioned another beer from them that was a Berliner Weiss that was good, but it was a little bit too tart for me for the, the style. And I'll tell you what, this one came in perfect with the tartness and the flavors incredible. I gave this a five cap rating because this is exactly what I enjoy with a Berliner Weiss. You know, very effervescent, bubbly, ca- carbonated, with uh, with that the fruit flavors from the cherry and the pomegranate came in perfect. Sometimes a pomegranate can like take over and and give you some weird. Uh, well, both of them can actually take over and give you some weird flavors. But the cherry was very subtle. Pomegranate was very subtle. The two combinations with the tartness was perfect. Um, it finished nice and dry and not uh, you know too much of the fruit. You just kind of finished off. Nice and dry and tart. Uh, really liked it. I, I I highly recommend this beer. If anyone can get this beer, should should definitely try it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, gave that a five. Um, he also, from the new batch of beers he sent me, he sent me a bunch of them, but the only one I'm going to talk about right now, and it's from Heist Brewing out of North Carolina. I've never had a Heist beer. So my very first Heist beer is the Citra Quintral. You like how I love the name. Citra Quintral, I, I like yeah. that. Uh, New England IPA, um, very, very good. Uh, this is everything that you come to know about a New England style IPA. The hate, the, the, the thick thickness, the mouthfeel, the smooth, creamy mouthfeel, the uh, you know very hazy, like orange juice-like uh, coloring, and the Citra citrus in this beer just like was in your face just big aroma nice flavor finished off very smooth uh really good gave that a four and a quarter rating i really enjoyed it i also had another one of the heist brewing beers uh today um and you know what i can't think of the name but it was also good but this one was a little bit better in my book i think the mouthfeel was was much uh much better on this beer than the other one and the last beer I'm going to talk about is from a local brewery. Again, I mentioned it earlier that there was one beer that both Nathan Thomas and I really enjoyed from White Dog Brewing here in Boise. 
It's the River Beer, and this is a lager ale hybrid. Um, I don't know the details, but I'm assuming they were using a lager yeast at ale temperatures because it had a really good lager flavor, very clean. I mean, this beer just was like the perfect beer to have on the river in a nice summer day, you know, floating the river. We, we actually float the Boise River here locally during the summertime, and we used to be able to drink on the river. You used to actually just get on your tube, float the river with a, with a cooler towing behind you in the water, and you just pop open beers and drink, and it was a great thing. And then they had to go and, you know, ruin the fun and make it so you're not allowed to drink on the river anymore. But if we were still allowed to drink on the river, this beer is perfect for it. So refreshing, so clean, and it's like the perfect beer. And I really enjoyed it. I also gave that a five-cap rating, and I think uh, Nathan didn't give it a quite as high of a, of a rating as I did, but he also claimed that it was the best beer of the night. And he had, I think he had uh, eight eight uh, tasters at um, White Dog, and he had another four at Clairvoyant. So he had a lot of beers to taste, and he said this river beer was his favorite of the night also. So what do you nice. think, John? Have you, have you had... Uh, a beer like this, like a, a lager ale hybrid? Uh, well, without knowing how they do it, I can't really yeah. say. Yeah, it is kind of. you know, that, that can go a lot of different ways. So, not entirely sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I wish I would have uh, asked the brewer, um, you know, how they did it. I, maybe I'll go back and I'll do it because I want to go back and, and have some more of this beer for sure. Yeah, um, so I, I was trying to look at it on their website and stuff. But their website's not very informative. Mm, so. Mm. And that beer is not even listed on here. No, it's brand new. They literally just tapped it when we came in. Well, they only have three beers on here, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sucks. That sucks. All right. Yeah. I, I will do homework, and I'm hoping by the time I come back to our next episode, I will have details on the brewing process for that beer because I'm really curious, and I should have asked when I was there, but I was tied up with you know, being a good host for our buddy Nathan. So did you have their Blackberry Sour? Oh yeah, the Blackberry website. Yeah, the, yeah. So if you remember, when they first opened back in September, the, now this brewery, this and Clairvoyant, both opened at the same time in September, the same week, and I went to both of them that week, and the, they had six beers they they opened with, and one of the six beers was this Blackberry Sour, and I mentioned on the show that it was a fantastic sour, and I was shocked that a new brewery opening in the area would debut a sour. And not only a sour, but a sour that was fantastic. So, but I don't know if the Idaho one is necessary. Well, it's new to Idaho, but they have a Montana location too. So yeah. I don't know if that one came first so they could dial that stuff in before they. Of course. Yeah. But still, it's being brewed so. in a different area. So, okay. So here's the details on this. Um, there's brothers that own White Dog and they owned, uh, the one in, in Bozeman, Montana, I think is where they're out of. And yeah. then, um, a, you know, a couple of years ago, well, maybe a year ago, they, the brothers, one of the brothers came over and, and visited Idaho. I, it might have even been during the, the tree fort elf, you know, the, the tree fort festival we talked about last episode. It may have been during that time they visited and saw that this space that used to be a brewery, used to be Table Rock Brewing, was available. 
and they just decided they wanted to open an expansion brewery in Boise. So you're right. They are taking some of their, I'm assuming they're taking all the recipes from uh, the original brewery and bring them over. I don't care because this no, these, not, these guys are awesome at brewing beer. The beer is so clean and, I mean, fantastic beer. Um, yeah, and I, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, like, it invalidates anything of them taking recipes from one or the other. Absolutely not. But then, you know, the, uh, you know, gusto of going open with a sour you know, or something like that yeah. is not as much if you've already dialed that in somewhere else and you kind of know what you're doing. And depending on, you know, your equipment, you know, if they brought in similar equipment and all that, you know, it's not as far of a leap. That's true. So, that's true. That's all. Yeah. No, no. I, I'm sure they had everything dialed in and uh, I'm just glad that I'm able to partake in all their good beer because they're literally... I mean, all their beers have, so far that I've had have been really, really good. There's been a couple, like I mentioned, the coffee. They had that uh, that uh, coffee bean infused uh, bourbon bean thing that wasn't very good, but it was still was a good beer. It just was, you know, it wasn't the wasn't a great beer, but it was still good. But everything else, like like the regular stuff. That doesn't have any adjuncts added to it. I mean, just are really well done. I mean, like I said, very clean. I mean, no, I mean, again, making a, a a lager ale hybrid and having it with no off flavors is really nice because it had that great lager flavor, um, but it was crisp and and uh, refreshing. So I don't know. It was, it was really good. It looks like you were the uh, first one to log that beer. Yeah, and so. I had a hard time picking what I wanted to uh, – I had to create it. It wasn't even created. It was just released, so I had to pick the style, and I went with pale lager because that was the closest thing I could find to actually, you know, close to the style. So I don't even know if it's – you know, maybe they'll change the, uh, the style to something more uh, closely related to what it is, but I don't know how to even log a hybrid uh, lager ale. Yeah, there's only been nine check-ins to it, so – Cool. All right, John. Well, let's get in to some listener feedback. And the first thing is I've been doing these Twitter polls and we had another poll that we mentioned in the last episode. And the poll was, are you in to the IPA haze craze? Do you like your, or how do you like your IPAs? And we had 22 votes by time it ended one week of, of uh, Twitter poll. And let's, uh, let's see. It was, uh, it was a pretty tight race, pretty tight race for sure. And we had a lot of good comments in this Twitter thread. I didn't add all the comments. We talked about them in the last show live as they were coming in. Uh, we had some great comments. Um, but I, I'll go over the numbers real quick. So coming in last place was the Dark Cascading or Black IPA. People aren't really thrilled with that, I guess. Uh, not like you and I, John, enjoy that style. Only three people um, voted for that out of the 22. Uh, the next one... That had uh, five votes. This is the West Coast style IPA. I guess, you know, people weren't into that either. And then tied with seven votes apiece was the hazy, juicy, and tropical IPA and the double or triple IPA. So people like their IPAs big and they like them juicy. That's what I got out of that. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember if I actually voted in this or not. <laughs> 
You said was, you were gonna just write comments. I, yeah, but I was I was gonna vote for the West Coast. Okay. So well, you should have. They, well, edge it edge it closer to. Yeah, you know, closer to the top. The, to the top. You could have got a three way tie maybe if we got you know two more votes. But that yeah, was a good. I, I like that. It was a good uh, a good poll. And uh, this week I added a poll, and this will be good until Sunday, April fifteenth. So get it out there. You'll have a couple days after this releases to get your vote in if you haven't already voted. <clears throat> and the Twitter poll is: there is a new beer trend out there called glitter beer. Are you interested in trying glitter beer? And you have two answers to choose from: yes, be dazzled at beer. Or no, beer is for grown-ups. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Hey, I like that. <laughs> you can be a spectacular grown-up. You know, nothing stopped. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was a hard one to come up with. Uh, I, I had a, I could have come up with four different uh, choices, but I thought it was better just to leave it, you know, binary. Yes, no, but then put a little bit of fun in it by, you know, adding a little extra... Yeah. Stuff, so. I like my beer like me. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, John, why don't you go ahead and hit us up with uh, our first listener feedback? All right. Some guy named Jason Lacey at JWAC uh, mentioned on Twitter, uh, follow up on my voicemail. I did go to that beer shindig I mentioned. They had CBS and KBS on tap from Founders. Um, said CBS greater than, greater than, greater than sign, <laughs> KBS. Uh, overall, wasn't impressed with K- the KBS release this year. Still a good beer, but maybe I'm just not into white whales. Yeah. And he went on further to explain why. He said, you know, I think it's probably a palate preference for me, uh, but I think I just prefer the taste proportions in previous batches. It's like the bourbon this year was masking the other flavors. Mm. Truth be told, I went to a KBS release probably 10 plus years ago and hated it. <laughs> so it's funny how we adjust slash adapt slash elevate our taste preferences as we explore beer. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. I mean, Sounds like if uh, the bourbon's too strong, he might like this year's KBS a year from now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Age it and it'll, it'll be subdued a little bit. But I agree with Jason, though, on, you know, the, if you remember back a year and a half ago, I was saying that I basically for 2017, I wasn't going to drink any more bourbon barrel aged stouts anymore because I was tired of all these stouts tasting like just bourbon and no stout how, character. How long did that last? So I couldn't stop myself. <laughs> and I'm glad I didn't because then if you remember at the end of the year when I started you know, naming my top beers, I was lucky enough that a lot of the breweries started maybe getting feedback of the same thing I was saying is that, hey, we can't mask the beer with the bourbon. You have to have a good base style in there with just to, you know, accentuate that style with the bourbon. Don't make it all bourbon. And I had wonderful, wonderful bourbon-aged, barrel-aged stouts. And I'm glad I didn't hold back and I kept drinking them. But I think Jason's absolutely correct. If KBS comes out and it's all bourbon in your face and that's all you taste, it's going to turn people off, I think, like myself and like Jason, that you know want to have some of that stout character in the beer and not just all the bourbon. 
But you're right too, John. Yeah. Let it age, let it mellow out, and it will become a, a better beer, maybe. Yeah, and I think the heart of that is something we talked about a lot, which the, you know, whenever you're adding anything to beer, you know, it, it's still a beer first, and mm-hmm. it should remain a beer first. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you go overboard, it, you know, it kind of ruins everything. Yeah, so. yeah. Ha- have you had a chance to try this year's KBS? No, I've, I've watched... Uh, everybody going crazy on Facebook, chasing yeah. it around Columbus. <laughs> um, but uh, I have not uh, joined in the fray. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, you know what? Um, if I, I mean, I haven't gotten out looking for it. I'm sure there'll be some bottles available. Uh, well, I don't know. I'll be gone for a week. So by the time I come back, maybe there won't be any bottles left. But if there's a bottle left, I'll grab a bottle to try it. I might grab two. I might try it fresh and I might do what you suggest. Let it age a year and see if, if it comes in a little bit better to my taste palate uh, a year old. But honestly, I've had it a number of years. Yeah, it is it is what it is, but it's not something that I find that I have to have. You know, it's not like it's not like those um, Deschutes Black Butte Porter anniversary ales that I have to have. Those I have to have every year. I mean, I will search out and destroy those, uh, you know, just to have them. Um, but the KBS, honestly... Is not one I, I have to have. It's one if I drink that I'll, you know, yeah, it's it's what it is, but it's not a, a for me, a, a whale that I have to a capture every year. All right. Well, we also had a listener question, John, and I'm hoping that you know the answer to this. Uh, this is from Kyle, and he's at Kyle in Ohio. He asked this question on Twitter. With all the hazy IPA craze going on, I'm curious to get your opinion on breweries using lactose in IPAs to add haze. I feel like this is just a way to cheat to get the cloudy haze without doing the work. Some are now even advertising it as milkshake IPA. Thoughts? What do you think, John? Uh, I don't think the lactose is for haze. Um, I have never seen anything for lactose contributing haze. Um, I think that's actually to add body and body. to give a little bit of sweetness. Okay. Because uh, one thing about these IPAs is they do have more body than, than your yeah. standard IPA. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, the part part of these is there's it's really no bitterness. It's like mm-hmm. fruit juice. You know, there's not that that aspect of the IPA is not there. Yeah. Um, and so adding lactose adds a non-fermentable sugar um, that will stick around and kind of enhance a lot of those fruity flavors. Mm-hmm. Um, while, uh, giving kind of a, a soft sweetness to it, uh, that'll, you know, either balance out or mask the, the bitterness, um, and kind of enhancing that, uh, that fruit character. Um, the haze from these, uh, unfortunately some folks were using flour. I think that (laughs) doesn't happen much anymore. Um, but, uh, I think when done correctly, uh, and there's a lot of research still going into this stuff, trying to figure out everything, but when done correctly, it's actually a, uh, a hop haziness. It's mm-hmm. not yeast. Um, yeast will actually will fall out and clear out in these beers if you, if you let it. So, um, it's not a yeast thing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a protein protein thing with with uh potentially some of the malt um a lot of oats are using this that can contribute oh uh, yeah some uh 
yeah. some of the hops. So uh, that, that's as far, at least the last I, I caught up on on this stuff. So it's moving quickly. It could have changed by now. And hey, maybe now they're saying lactose adds the haze and I haven't, just haven't seen it yet. But um, I haven't heard that. But that the lactose, uh, as far as I know, was added for for body and, and yeah. a little bit of sweetness. So I, I think I agree. I think the the lactose also is is to make it that yeah that heavier body, um, and also oats. I hear a lot of oats uh, used with the the New England style IPAs that are are brewed, at least the ones that are brewed outside of the Northeast. Uh, and and I like I like the ones I th- I find that I like the ones that add oats into it a lot more. I I appreciate that heavier body that that creaminess that it adds. In fact, that was the one complaint I had about the Heist Brewery beer I had today, is it was lacking in some of that body. It didn't have that same smoothness, that creaminess that I expect to see from those beers. Uh, John, have you considered? Or are you working on a possible recipe to try a New England IPA at Trek? Um, I have thought about it. I've, you know, kind of thought experiment, like, ah, what would I do if I wanted to do it? Um, right now, it's not in our plans. Yeah. In, in like, my next few brews, at least. Um, but I've been kicking it around um, and see what we might do for yeah. it. So. Yeah, I don't want to miss this bandwagon. This hate, this yeah. uh, haze craze. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd hate for that to happen. So. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thank you, Kyle, for your great question. Um, I'm okay with lactose in it if it adds the body. Um, I, I've already mentioned that most of them come across uh, not bitter, like John said. It's part of the style. And I appreciate a little bit of bitterness in the finish just to kind of give you that idea that it's really smooth, juicy, flavorful, but at the end you have that little bitterness that just finishes off. That's what I like for myself. So if the lactose takes away that, it makes it even more sweet. Maybe I wouldn't appreciate that as much as other people would, but that's my own uh, opinion. But uh, And I've never had a milkshake IPA yet, ones that are actually called milkshake. So I'm looking forward to trying my first one someday. One day. Yeah, uh, there's plenty out there. They've been out there for a while. Um, I've had the uh, one from Tired Hands that Wes brought out for me. Mm. It was a milkshake IPA. Yeah. So they've been doing it for a while, I know. Okay. Cool. But yeah, it's, it's getting more widespread that that terminology is getting out <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It sounds gross, but hey, <laughs> I, I'm not going to judge until I try it myself. It may be my favorite beer style. Never know. Never know. Never know. All right. Well, hey, let's before we get into uh, how you can contact us, I wanted to mention that uh, last episode we were throwing around the idea of having a Trek Brewing Name That Beer contest. And you know what? I can honestly say I didn't really plan it out much more than to say that, yes, we're going to have this contest. And what we want you to do is to think about names of different beer styles that revolve around the adventure of Trek Brewing. The whole theme of Trek Brewing, going out there, uh, you know, adventuring, finding a new, you know, just, just going out and finding new, new things and experiencing life and beer and everything. And so we want to come up with names of different styles. You can come up with whatever style you want. And if we choose 
your beer name, and if you win the contest, uh, the, the the number one winner will win a Trek Brewing T-shirt. Uh, you know, provided by uh, by Tap the Crap Podcast. And if there's multiple winners, uh, they will also win prizes too. But I won't say what they are because I don't know. I want to see what you guys provide us. And John, what do you think for right now? Do you want to keep it an open-ended contest, or do you want to make a deadline, like maybe episode 100, to actually pick a possible winner? Uh, yeah. Let's we could we could maybe even do a series of these. So okay. you know we can yeah let's set a date and work off that. And, okay. Uh, yeah. Keep in mind it's got to be something that uh, is out there and, and available because if, oh, if somebody's true. using it, it does is no good. Yeah. Don't so. steal names. Yeah, and you got to make Denny happy because he's mad at me for not putting names on yeah, yet. Yeah, so. I, I don't want Trek IPA, Trek Brown Ale, <laughs> Trek Cream Ale. I want to have styles with creative Trek Brewing type names. <laughs> and it has to be adventurous, whether it's a venture to the stars, a venture to the woods, a venture to the sea, the mountains, whatever it is. You guys come up with some creative names, and if you tickle my fancy... I'm going to I'm going to award you guys a prize whether it's the t-shirt or another prize doesn't matter. If you guys come up with a bunch of names that I like, I might just give everyone a prize. That's the way I I roll. So submit them to our email address, which are you can contact us through our email at tap the craft or never mind. Tap the craft at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> don't send them through Twitter. I want them in email. So please send your your name, because I don't want anyone to steal your name idea. I want you to send it to tapthecraft at gmail.com. I will respond back with that I've accepted, that I've received your name or your, your beer name. You can submit as many different options as you want. Um, doesn't mean they're all going to win, but, you know, you might have a chance of having multiple winners. I don't know, but submit whatever you guys come up with. John and I and Chris will go over the names, um, and John will be the ultimate decider if he wants to name a beer that style but if i find names that i appreciate i will award separate prizes for those winners that john doesn't select because uh, i appreciate good names and remember uh, i'm a guy that that likes meaning behind the name and also uh anything that has a pun i'm a pun <laughs> i love puns so if you can come up with a good trek themed pun name for a, a beer style then i'm all in so get those in um, let's make the deadline episode 100 for the first winner. Is that good, John? You got, yeah. you got, uh, you got about, uh, six weeks. We'll, we'll take entries for six weeks. And then on episode 100, we will announce the winner of the contest for a Trek t-shirt. So yeah, send those to, uh, uh, tap the craft at gmail.com. <laughs> I should stop drinking, John. I think I've might've overdone my limit for the show, but that's okay. Now you're fine. Yeah. Tap power the through. Yeah, we'll power through. Or on Twitter, at Tap the Craft. And, of course, feel free to leave your comments, questions, and feedback on Facebook at facebook.com slash tap the craft. And don't forget, we do have a voicemail number. You can call 208-536-3359 or 208-53-ODDLY. Leave your questions, comments, feedback, or your craft beer journey, story, whatever you want to leave, go ahead and leave that on our voicemail. We'll play it on the air for everyone to hear. 
And we want to thank Open Forum Radio Network for supporting the show. They do provide our hosting space at openforumradio.com. And if you enjoy the content that John and I put out, then we know you're going to find some more great shows like the following. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny, John, and Chris. Hey, and if you want to check out more great podcasts, check out the Open Forum Radio Network over at openformradio.com. We have such podcasts such as Open Forum Radio Proper, Facetious, Geeks for the Win, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gaming Vessels, Slash Attainment, and Conspiracy Otter. Hey, thank you so much for checking out Tap the Craft today, and please leave these fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this great show. Hey, thanks again for listening. All right, now it's time for the Brew Buzz segment. And the Brew Buzz is devoted to... <laughs> is it? Is it? I'll, I'll, I'll be okay, John. It's devoted. It'll be okay. I'll be okay. I don't know. I don't know about that. <clears throat> and the Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing various brilliant topics. And this week, we are going to discuss the beer fat of bedazzling your beer with glitter. I have to admit that, um, you know, I've seen a number of beers on social media that people are going and trying these beers and posting pictures of these beers that have this glimmering glitter effect. And it has intrigued me. And I will admit that at first, when I heard putting glitter in my beer, I said, no way. There's no way I am going to drink a beer with glitter in it. I don't want to have that sparkly, you know, artsy crafty stuff in my beer but you know what that's not what this thing is all about and if you're like me and immediately when you hear glitter beer you think no way i'm not going to do it then be prepared to have to maybe have your mind changed after we get done discussing this because i have read a few articles and listened to a podcast that talked about glitter beer. And at the beginning, when I first started listening and reading, I was like, there's no way, I'm not going to like this. But that, by the time I got done, I was like, you know what? I'm open to it now. Why, why do I need to close myself off to something that might be, you know, special? So I haven't had any glitter beer as, at this time, but if it comes across, you know, my travels, I might actually try a glitter beer now. So let me give some props to some articles and a podcast that does a really good job of explaining this whole glitter beer phenomenon. And the first one is from craftbeer.com. It's called, the article is called Glitter Beer Sparkles at Spring's Craft Beer Trend. Uh, it was written by Anna Mitchell. Uh, the next article was from beervanablog.com. It's Glitter Beer, The Full Report by Jeff Allsworth. And also in... Um, reference to that, he also did a, a Beervana podcast, episode 53, called Glitter Beer. So if you don't listen to Beervana, then go out there, find, if you're, if you're curious about this glitter stuff, they do a really good podcast describing his experience of visiting the breweries, talking to the brewers that do this, and actually experiencing it with his partner on the show, who also was like me and said, there's no way I am not going to do glitter beer. But after the show was done, he admitted that, hey, this glitter beer is actually pretty special. So that's uh, Beervana episode 53. Go out there and check it out. And I just want to give credit to where most of this information was gathered from. So let's get into this whole glitter beer phenomena. So a number of breweries across the country have been jazzing up their already tasty beer with food-grade glitter 
to make the beer a magical experience. Or maybe just mesmerizing with the glimmering swirls making the beer look alive. And that is the part that intrigues me, is hearing people describe the effect that the glitter in the beer with the beer literally being alive. Like, a lot of times we'll watch beer when it's poured, and you'll see the bubbles come up, but they're just bubbles. And you're like, yeah, that's kind of cool. But now you add glitter into that mix with those bubbles, and now the glitter is swirling, and it's acting like there's an alive organism in that beer, mesmerizing you, enchanting you to want to drink and just watch that beer. That's the part that kind of intrigues me on this whole glitter beer experience. Now, the author of the Birvana blog, Jeff Allsworth, he went to uh, Sasquatch Brewery in Portland, Oregon, and he talked to them about their beer, which is called Gold Dust Woman, and it is a hazy, juicy, New England-style IPA. And this is what is interesting. Uh, for one, you can't have a bad beer, add glitter to it, and make it special. Yeah, you can add the glitter to make it eye-appealing, but if the beer tastes like crap, it's still crappy beer. So any beer that has glitter in it, it needs to be a good beer. It can't be a beer that's just mediocre with glitter and be special. So add the character of a great beer with some kind of special, uh, you know, visuals, then you're going to have something special. And what they did is they added a gold dust to this hazy New England IPA. Now, this IPA is already juicy. It's already hazy. It's already thick milkshake IPA, I'm assuming. Now you add some glimmer in there, and the, as the bubbles are, you know, swirling this special sparkle around, uh, it's kind of mesmerizing, enchanting, and it gives it something special. So he does a good job of explaining his experience uh, sitting at the bar drinking this beer. Also, that beer, it sold out in less than two weeks after it was released at the Sasquatch Brewery. The brewer mentions, most of our regulars work nearby and consist of mainly hardworking dudes. Now, keep in mind that the brewer is a lady, so dudes. Uh, when I bounced the idea off of them, they were like, they were a little skeptical. But once the beer was released, they all wanted a pint. So again, if you can go in and offer a, a beer to a bunch of, uh, you know, union workers that go out there and, and you know, work out in the field and, and do all kinds of of manual labor that they want just a good hearty beer. I want that IPA and I want that bitterness. Uh, throw some glitter in there and they still are gravitating towards it. And that says that, hey, this isn't, this beer is not just for ladies, right? This beer can be appreciated by all who enjoy good beer and who want a little bit special in their beer. So, John, why don't you go in and, and talk about what this glitter is all about? What's, what's made of? Yeah. So, when I first, heard about this stuff this is was my biggest question because mm -hmm. my my chief duty when we're open is glass washer oh, and yeah. i can only imagine how <laughs> awful that this could end up being for that yeah um but uh matt pennessy of the dirty bowl brewing in durham north carolina says uh we only use the best locally harvested glitter from free-range grass-fed raised unicorn <laughs> Um, exactly it's it's so, magical uh, that's, what I, that's what i like to hear you know you got to support <laughs> local industry 
So, uh, but no, it's actually a food grade FDA approved dust that brewers can add to the keg as they fill it with beer. And uh, the glitter is called luster dust, which uh, sounds like they took it from a local strip club <laughs> and put it in the beer. But uh, it's made from sugar, maltodextrin, and mica-based pearlescent pigments that are milled into a very fine powder. Mm. And this food-grade glitter is completely safe uh, in the doses used in the beer. So maybe if they get too much, you get sparkly stuff coming out. Yeah, I, I, so it's, it's safe as long as you're mixing it and diluting it. Um, I, I haven't heard anyone say that, yeah, it's safe to go ahead and take a teaspoon and eat it. I'm, I <laughs> guess that you're probably going to have some problems if you do that. Yeah, like that cinnamon challenge. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so how, how do they add the glitter? Uh, the type and amount uh, is dependent upon the effect that the uh, brewer desires. So mm -hmm. a finer ground glitter will stay suspended in the beer longer and swirl in the glass uh, with the releasing carbonation. And then more metallic colored gl glitter will shine and glimmer. Man, this is difficult. Uh, brewers are using varying amounts, anywhere from three grams per eight gallons to six grams for every five gallons. Yeah. You need to standardize that so you have it all <laughs> the same. <laughs> um, but uh, the glitter is added to the kegs at the time they are filled. Yeah. So, but, you know, there's got to be some challenges. Nothing, nothing comes free. So, what are the issues? Yeah, there, there are some challenges. And as you mentioned, John, uh, right now, there's, you know, depending on what the brewer is trying to achieve, there's different amounts that they're going to be using in their, their uh, beer. And if you use three grams per eight gallons or six grams for five gallons, it's gonna it, it's gonna be a little expensive because this stuff is not cheap. They sell this right now in two gram jars for five dollars a piece. That's two grams for five dollars. So this can be anywhere from three hundred to nine hundred dollars per ten barrel batch if you are gonna be doing a big batch of this stuff. Now, if you're doing a one off five gallon keg. Yeah, it's not too expensive. I mean, it's a little bit expensive still because you're still going to be putting, you know, 10, 10 to, yeah. you know, you're, you're still putting some money in there. But if you're doing it in full batches where you're, you plan on releasing 10 barrels of this stuff, it can add up pretty quickly in just the, the glimmer dust that you're putting in there, the uh, luster dust, as they called it. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I have a hard time imagining anybody actually dedicating 10 barrels to this at a time. You know, this almost seems like something where you, you take a couple of your kegs mm -hmm. and dose those yeah, and, and do it. But, uh, you know, the, depending on, you know, which end of that ratio that you're at for how much you're using, this stuff is actually not that bad. Uh, like vanilla beans, like are, probably more expensive for what you're adding into a beer mm. than this glitter is. Okay. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, I, I, but I, like, I have a hard time seeing anybody going, yeah, let's just do 10 barrels. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> well, well, you see a hard time, except for the fact that the beer goes quick. You, you heard that what, I don't know how much batch that the Sasquatch got, girls did, but, in two weeks, they were completely out of all their beer. It went really quick. So if they did a 10-barrel batch, 
and they're gone in two two weeks. That's a pretty significant. Uh, I mean, maybe they it was all part of the whole fad where people wanted to go and get it while it was there, and then they they went out of it really quick. But but it might be possible to you know to go through a ten barrel batch pretty quick. Yeah, I could. Maybe I'll just glitter everything. <laughs> well, that's the other problem. Okay, so. You mentioned that they, they add the glitter into the kegs the time they're kegged, which is a problem because right now, independently, each keg has to be dosed independently of one another. There's no machine or easy way. You're not going to put it into the bright tank because you don't want this glitter getting stuck in all your, you know, all your, uh, uh, you know, your little small spaces in your brewery system. So you have to put it just in the keg. Now you've got kegs that are, dosed with glitter and now are these kegs going to be specialized just for glitter beer or are you going to be able to clean them out good enough not to have residual glitter in the future so it's a little bit of a problem um both filling them you know dosing them and uh keeping the glitter out of other areas of the brewery and of course the the number the other big issue is that the glitter uh in order for the glitter to be an, uh, an effective effect on the, the person drinking it, the, the glitter has to be suspended in the beer. And naturally, you know, it, the, the, depending on the, the fineness of the glitter will depend on how fast the, the glitter will settle out. But regardless, all of it's going to settle eventually to the bottom. So you have to continually agitate it to get the glitter to keep you know, being suspended in the fluid so that when you pour a pint, that the person that's getting the pint is going to have the full effect of the of the glitter in the beer. Yeah, I wonder if you, like, as you're storing the kegs that aren't on tap yet, you store them upside down, like, similar to the, mm-hmm. what you do for, like, a, some folks did for Hefeweitz in your wheat beer. Yeah. And then, so once you flip it over, you know, anything that did settle will get back into solution and, you know, work its way back down to the bottom of the keg. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they're but, saying. Is yeah, if it all settled out, that that sucked to get the, get the guy to get that first pint. It's just chock full of glitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, what they're saying, what they're saying is basically you have to, you know, you have to recognize how often you have to agitate the keg, and yeah, whether it's setting it upside down, uh, you know, overnight and then flipping it back over when you first open, and then you know, allowing it to to settle, and then maybe every couple hours you have to go and do that same thing i i mean who knows right it's still new you have to figure out what the best method is to make sure that the beer is being served the way that the brewer wants it to because if you're spending that money to add that effect you want to make sure the effect is being seen by you know being experienced by every patron that comes in because you don't want to have someone paying for a, a glitter beer and then not having a good experience because that will just you know sour the whole glitter beer experience for that person. So yeah, those are some of the challenges involved with the whole glitter beer thing. Of course, the other thing is that, you know, you have people that just think, man, I don't want glitter. Glitter is for kids, you know, arts and crafts, you know, you go ahead, put your Elmer's glue, sprinkle some glitter, you know, get it all stick and look, you know, no, that's what I was first thinking is that, man, they're putting glitter in there. I was thinking, I don't want to drink, you know, arts and craft glitter, but this is a different grade. This is literally a very fine powder. And if you see the photos, go on Google and search for glitter beer images and take a look at some of these images that people are posting on 
on social media and, and on the internet, it truly is mesmerizing to see that this fine, metallically, you know, uh, glistening, glimmering uh, material is floating around like a, you know, like a, like a lava lamp, but not in glumps, but in more like a fine swirl type uh, behavior. It's really intriguing and I think I want to experience it now, but by seeing the pictures and by hearing people talk about it, I, I really want to experience it for myself. And I was for sure completely against it when I just heard the name Glitter Beer. I said, no way am I drinking any Glitter Beer, but I've changed my ways. I think, uh, you know, I I'm curious to find out what you guys think out there. If if after hearing us or at least listening to the Beervana uh, episode 53 show, and seeing two grown men talk about glitter beer and being immersed in the enchantment of it, that maybe you might change your way also. So now that I've just talked about this glitter beer, where can you find it? Well, there are a few breweries out there that are doing glitter beer. Um, so here, let me just name a few of them that I found uh, that have glitter beer. Novo Brazil in California. They're serving it up. The Sasquatch Brewery I mentioned uh, in the, in our d discussion in Oregon, they're doing it in, in Portland. Groundbreaker Brewing, which is a gluten-free brewery in Portland, Oregon, is also doing it. Urban Vines Winery and Brewing Company in Indiana. Southern Star Brewing in Texas. Black Coyster Brewing in Ohio. Bold Missy Brewing or Brewery in North Carolina. Dirty Bull Brewing in North Carolina and Off Main Brewing in North Carolina. All these breweries are producing glitter beer. So if you have one of these breweries near you and you want to try this, go out there and uh, find out, you know, when they're having their glitter beer on and, and give it a try and see. Let us know what you think. I, I'm really curious to hear of any of our listeners who have actually had a honest-to-goodness real glitter beer uh, explain what their experience is. And I'd love to hear it on voicemail. So if you have had experience, please call our voicemail line and explain it in your own words to all of us on the show. All right, John, you have anything else to say about this topic? I don't. Are you thinking about doing a glitter beer in the future? No. No? <laughs> oh, come on. Never say never, but no, I'm not, not planning on it. I'm sure this is going to be gone before I ever have room in my schedule to do anything like okay. this. Okay. Well, I'll talk to Kristen. I bet she'll talk you into it. I bet not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Okay, John, let's go over it quickly. We still have some time. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on these articles, but we you never know. We might actually, um, you know, talk a little bit, but it's okay. We have time. Uh, there's a couple of articles. One article we didn't talk about last show that I want to talk about this show very briefly and it is uh, the the title of the article is called Pabst sued for saying some of its beer is fancier than it really is. And this article was brought to us by our listener David Makazuki. He posted it on our Facebook wall, and it's from GrubStreet.com, uh, and it's by Clint Rainey. And basically, what this article is about is some loser. I'm going to say loser because I think these type of lawsuits are really People are just looking to get attention. I don't think he was really affected by this type of thing. But, okay, this guy went out and grabbed a beer, Olympia brand beer, which is now owned by Paps. 
Uh, he, and let me just read what the article says. It says, the urge to have a beer with, quote, nature's finest raw materials is almost certainly not a reason anybody picks paps. <laughs> I'll agree with that. But it supposedly is what drew a 37-year-old Sacramento man to purchase some Paps Olympia brand beer at a store recently. Brendan Peacock tried the brew, which advertises using, quote, pure mountain water and whose vintage-style bottles and cans actually contain the words, quote, it's the water, and was upset to find that the water's provenance was pretty lackluster. He suggested it's not from an artesian spring in Tumwater, Washington, as the company suggests, but rather from America's most polluted industrial areas outside of Los Angeles. The Sacramento Bee says that last week that he filed a lawsuit accusing the brewery of false advertising. So, now John, I know that you're probably not familiar with Olympia brand too much. Maybe you've heard of them being that you were in Seattle area, but from my youth, Olympia was a huge brand back in the in the 80s. And they had a lot of commercials on TV that were very funny. And they all were about talking about this artesian water, what the special water is that makes this beer so great. Now, honestly, the beer was pretty crappy. But it was the advertising and all this kind of, uh, you know, hubbub that made people, you know, that, that they kind of were based on. Now, fast forward to... From 1980s to 2018, and now they've re-released this brand of Olympia beer from Paps, and they didn't change the label. They left everything the same, and now some guy who is a, you know, expecting a craft beer, or, you know, artesian beer gets this crappy beer, tries it, and says, this is the worst crap I've ever had, and now wants to sue him for false advertising because it says it's special artesian water. What do you think about that, John? Uh, I don't care. You don't care? Um, no. And th this guy doesn't care either. He didn't think he was getting what no, he's getting. No. I mean, that he's brought other lawsuits before. He, mm -hmm. um, he filed against 21st Amendment when they were brewing some of their beer in Cold Springs, which they were completely open about, but they still ended up settling that case because that's how the law works and yeah. it's cheaper for them to do that, which is why I hate people that do this kind of stuff. Yeah. It wastes everyone's time and money um, and there are better uses for our courts. But uh, yeah, no, this stuff's annoying and I, yeah, I just, no. I don't, I, I don't care at all. Yeah. So, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I honestly, I think it's ridiculous myself, but I find it funny that they didn't change the label at all from the previous, uh, you know, now, now, I mean, back in the 80s, 70s and 80s, you know, maybe there weren't so many people out there trying to find a quick buck by, you know, being so happy. And they could get away with their their advertising of and but now in well, high back, they, they back actually, then they, yeah. they actually were brewed there. It's That's now true. been consolidated, it's been moved around and yeah. you know, I mean now they can say it's in it's the water. Yeah. And most of us would say it doesn't taste very good and maybe that's because <laughs> you know, from that polluted water. So I'd say he doesn't actually have a case at all. Yeah. You know, no. 
and we <laughs> everyone can taste it. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, and I, I don't know. It's yeah, it's a zero for me. No, so. no. I, I just think that maybe it would have been better if Paps would have released Olympia as a nostalgia beer back in the day when you know it was the water or whatever, and they could have you know played off of that instead of using the exact same thing. Maybe they screwed up, but yeah. I, I don't think it's worthy of a lawsuit. And uh, I just thought it was interesting because I actually, any old timers like myself out there that are on the Northwest area remembers all the great Olympia commercials on TV. I mean, there were some really good uh, commercials about, about the, the beer. Um, other than that, that's just nostalgia for me. I just wanted to mention that and thank David for, you know, for putting that on our wall. Let's move on to the next one. And again, we won't go into too much detail on this one. I just wanted to mention that 2018 is a hard time for, you know, breweries trying to, to move out of, uh, of a, a region into a more national uh, spotlight because we have another brewery that is failed. So we all, we just recently heard about Smutty Nose having to oct- offered up their brewery to auction because they couldn't make it after they expanded their brewery by a lot. Well, now we have Green Flash Brewing, who acquired Alpine Brewing not too many years ago and also went to expand from their California roots out to the Virginia coastline to have a, a more national, national, uh, I can't think of the word, <laughs> Reach footprint. Reach footprint. Uh, anyway, yeah. 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 A more national <laughs> footprint. And uh, they went in and got loans from a bank. And it turns out that the changing market affected their expected growth. And they actually had to shut down the, the operation that was planning for uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia, because they just didn't have money to, to pay for this thing. So they announced that a couple of weeks ago. And then just this last week, they announced that their entire company is being um, foreclosed. Uh, the bank that uh, that took they took loans out for. Let's see. Let me just read this uh, this thing. Now I want to give credit to to the article. Uh, the article was first released that I read was from thefullpint.com, and it was called "Green Flash Brewing Incorporated Foreclosed Sales Green Flash and Alpine Assets," and it says, as a conclusion to the Green Flash Brewing ending their national expansion strategy, closing Virginia Beach and Cellar 3, we have just learned that Green Flash Brewing Incorporated's largest shareholder, uh, Comerica Bank, has foreclosed on its loans due to outstanding debt and poor business health, and that Green Flash and Alpine assets have been sold to a risk management company in Michigan. And this is what the Green Flash uh wrote to its shareholders. It says, after general slowdown... Let me say that again. Slow it down. (laughs) (laughs) After a general slowdown in the craft beer industry, coupled with intense competition and slowdown of our business, we could not service the debt that we took on to build the Virginia Beach Brewery. And in early 2018, the company defaulted on its loan to Comerica Bank. While we took a substantial efforts to recapitalize the company over the past several months, both before and after the bank default, we were ultimately unable to close a transaction. 
while the Green Flash and Alpine brands will continue, they will do so under new ownership. And Green Flash Brewing Incorporated and Alpine Beer Company Incorporated will be wound down and dissolved. So, wow. Um, this is surprising because uh, Green Flash and Alpine both make good beer. I mean, their beers are good. And uh, now... I tend to think that they're kind of one horse ponies. They pretty much do the hoppy stuff. I, 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 I pretty much only get hoppy beers from, from both those breweries. And uh, yeah, Alpine's definitely known for that. Green flash does some other things, but uh, I think they're most known for the hoppy stuff. Yeah. Now one of the problems with green flash and Alpine is that their price points were way too high. Um, I mean, they sold most of their bottles in those, uh, those unique, 16 ounce, uh, you know, vintage bottles that kind of kind of remind you of the old Olympia bottles. You know, they have a. Uh, that was all about water. Yeah, it wasn't about water, but uh, <laughs> but they sold them in 16 ounce bottles that were being sold for you know five dollars a piece, and I think the price point is a bit steep for for that kind of uh, a beer. They also sold six packs, but I don't know. It, it just seems like. Uh, like maybe they needed to to rethink their their packaging and their price range, especially with all these breweries coming out, especially all the the local breweries. You know, so many places now have local breweries that you, that people want to drink from that they'll choose something local over something coming in outside if it's just you know, I mean if it's just okay beer, and it and the price point is a little bit too high because you're distributing outside your state. I don't know what the the deal is, but obviously they suffered from the changing market. And well, I, I think from what I've seen, uh, this seems to be a we went on expansion based off of twenty percent plus growth year over year. Yeah, and that just doesn't exist anymore. So, especially at that, well, let me rephrase that: it does exist for a lot of very small breweries who are only doing you know, a hundred barrels cause it's easy to do 20% cause that's just 120 barrels. But, uh, you know, that 20% growth year over year for those regional size breweries that yeah. just, it, it doesn't exist. There's too much competition for tap handles. There's too much competition for store shelves. Yeah. Um, you can't count on that. And they took on a lot of debt going into this expansion and, uh, they, they couldn't, couldn't handle it because that, that kind of growth doesn't exist. Yeah. And that's, that's what they planned on to be able to, to pay off this debt. And that's what I'm sure they were, you know, given these loans based off of that kind of growth because they, they had that growth year over year and they could show, look, we've had this for a decade. You know, it's not going to change. Mm-hmm. Well, it changed. <laughs> so, you know, and, th- and that's why these, you know, we're seeing all these news stories and people are saying, oh, the bubble's bursting, but really it's, wrong place, wrong time for a lot of these breweries that, you know, weren't capitalized enough to really be making these moves Mm -hmm. and just took on too much debt and can't handle it because the, you know, the market has shifted. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to be a regional brewer trying to fight for tap handles right now. Mm-hmm. That's you know with the especially the shift to local everything, 
um, that we've had over the last two years. Yeah. And not just beer, but food, you know, yeah. just, yeah. I mean, everything. So it's, it's really hard. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think, and you, and you mentioned it, you know, early in our, uh, our trends is that it's going to be tough to be a regional, uh, brewery, you know, if you, or it's going to be tougher on the regional breweries. Now, if you want to expand nationwide, it's going to be even tougher. I think if you can maintain the, the foothold you already had in your region, you might be okay. But I think people, the breweries that are trying to break into the national market are definitely going to struggle, uh, with that expansion. And I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, Stone Brewing has, has already had, uh, you know, to release a lot of their, their guys, you know, at the end of last year. Uh, I don't know. They're, they're trying to make amends to some of their, their beer stuff, uh, recently, but I haven't bought a Stone beer for a while now because they just lost me as, I mean, I, I don't know. I just got burnt too many times with mediocre beer for a high price. And now I just steer clear of Stone, which is sad because Stone was one of my favorite, you know, breweries for a long time. But now in this market, there's so many good beer to drink. I don't feel I have to necessarily drink Stone to be able to enjoy a good beer uh, and, and pay their premium price. So I'll be curious to see what other breweries are affected by, you know, by, by the end of the year. How I many more we see that, that end up doing the same thing. I, I hope it's not too many, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, and one I'm curious about, speaking of Virginia, is uh, Deschutes, because they had had that big plan, and they were taking the slow path to it, but I haven't heard anything for a while, so I'm curious if they so, had fully committed to that or if they've reeled it back or no, what. No, no, no. They're, they're still committed. In fact, they commented on a comment uh, by, uh, by Birvana. Uh, Birvana podcast or the Birvana beer blog that I mentioned earlier in our in our Rubus topic, they wrote out uh, talking about how um, hoping you know mentioned in, in a tweet on Twitter about hey this is really sad news about um, about Green Flash. I'm I'm hoping that the shoots is uh, you know by taking a slow path is you know is 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 going to be able to weather it out better. They wrote back saying that, yes, um, we're doing good. Our plan was to take it slow and we, and, and everything's going well. They, they don't have any, they're not seeing any problems with their slow path because they were going to take like five years to build that brewery, right? They weren't going to go in there and, and do it. They went and penetrated the market by opening a brew pub in the Roanoke area to get their brand recognized. Um, and they have a, a brew pub going that is serving a number of beers and they're branching out their distribution to get their beers known in the area before they bring in their brewery so that when they do bring it in, they're already got a name built for themselves in the area and they're not coming in fresh, right? They're coming in with a, a known entity. And I think I'm, I'm praying that they actually succeed because I, I would be crushed if the shoes goes out of business because, you know, they're the longest, the longest craft brewery that is still around that I've been, that's been with me from the very beginning of my craft beer journey. You know, Black Butte Porter is one of the first craft beers that I gravitated to back in the 90s, early 90s. And I, you know, I still drink their beer all the time and I haven't, 
I mean, I still love their beer. I don't want to see them go away, and uh, I'm hoping that their expansion plans are going to work out uh, in their favor. And I think they're doing a good job. And they they were confident that they weren't having any issues with their plan uh, when they were speaking on Twitter. So, well, good. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. So, all right, John. Well, that's enough of that depressing news. Let's uh, let's end the show, but let's end it on a high note by uh, going out and raising a glass to some of our friends. So who would you like to raise a glass to tonight? All right. Well, I mentioned we had our festival and that Russ and Katie uh, poured for us. So I just want to raise my glass to them and thanks for coming through and volunteering just so we could have our beer available. Nice. Thanks guys. Yeah. Cheers to Russ Israel. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still waiting for his voicemail call. Come on, get him, get him uh, drinking enough. So he actually you know, loosens up and calls into the show. That'd be great. Uh, I had him pretty loose one night and I, we were talking about, I brought it up. We were pushing him, but he, he still resisted. So <laughs> we're, we, we got to go deeper. Okay. We got to go deeper. Okay. So we got to just have him on the show then. All right. All right. Tell him to come <laughs> by, uh, next, the next Sunday we record, come by the, the brewery so you guys can, uh, record together. Yeah. I'm going to need your credit card ahead of that. <laughs> <laughs> i will say uh he they they came out saturday and he came up for his first beer and uh our our bartender asked you know do you want to start a tab because they always start a tab when they're here and he's like no this is denny's paying for this beer <laughs> uh, and she just looked at him so blankly she had no idea what he was talking about <laughs> and i was just sitting at the bar laughing <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, um, all right. So I got he, my he, first beer on the tab. Then he's eager. No, no, he paid for it. Oh, you okay. you owe him. You owe okay. him a lot of money. Okay. <laughs> all right, when I when I when I'm there, I'll 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 catch him up. Don't worry. All right. Good. So how right. about you? Yeah, yeah. I have a couple people I want to raise a glass to. Of course, the first one is Mr. Nathan Thomas for uh, making sure that he looked me up when he was in town. I would have been crushed if he would have come to Boise and not said he was here so we can come out and drink together. Uh, we had a great time and just uh, raised my glass to you, Nathan. Thanks for in including me in your fun trip to Boise. And of course, to our buddy Kevin Page out in the Florida area for including me in on his North Carolina beer hall and let me try some beers that I never tried uh, breweries before and i'm really I, I i'm telling you what i love north carolina breweries they make some great beer and i'm glad that uh kevin's willing to share it with me so thank you and cheers and also of course i just want to raise my glass to all those military men and women out there who are protecting and serving to protect our freedoms uh, i just want to raise a glass to you i want to say thank you and please come home to your families uh soon safely and of course to Hopcloth. Raise a glass to Hop Cloth Apparel for partnering up with us, and I encourage all of our listeners to go visit their site at www.hopcloth.com and check out their creative craft beer clothing line. And of course, use the code TAPTHECRAFT, all one word, at checkout to get free shipping. And you can find the beers and the links to the articles mentioned on the show in our show notes located on the show post at openforumradio.com. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Loose Screw. And John, how can our listeners follow you? 
Twitter at Prime Brewing on Tap Prime WA, and you can follow Trek Brewing on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trek Brewing, or visit us on the web at trekbeer.com. All right. Excellent. It's last call. Time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show. We ask you to please tell a friend and, of course, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Google Play, or however you listen to your podcast. And as a reminder, we release a new episode every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Cheers.